are Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Monday, October 18th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. If you like what you're hearing today, then please be sure to go out and follow the podcast. You can also leave me a review if you want to as well. It's all for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcast, etc. If you go and follow right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, good morning everyone. As always, thank you all for tuning into Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start the week. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. And how about that weather yesterday? Seems like uh, this could be probably the last of the weather up around the 70s in, in October is starting to creep towards November already, if you can believe that. But on the show today, of course, I'll go over the Blackhawks' disheartening 5-2 to loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday night, dropping their record down to 0-2-1 through the first three games of the regular season. I'll also talk about the position that head coach Jeremy Colleton now finds himself in and whether or not he should be on the hot seat for this disaster of a start from his club. And then, as always on Monday, I'll wrap things up with our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where I answer a question, uh, a couple of questions, excuse me, from you, the listeners, right here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. But getting into the Hawks' 5-2 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday night, going back to the episode that I dropped on Saturday morning, everything that I talked about in that episode, the emphasis to get off to a good start and establishing a lead and finding ways to build off of it. Also, taking advantage of a Penguins club that's down a couple of their star players, no Crosby, no Malkin, no Brian Rust. There were a couple things that the Blackhawks really had to hone in on in order to get their first victory of the season on Saturday and... None of those those things that I just mentioned happened. None of it. And once again, the Blackhawks didn't look ready to play right off the opening faceoff for the third consecutive game. And like Colorado did in the opener, I mean, the Penguins jumped on them and made them pay for not being at their best. And it took them just 15 seconds to take a one nothing lead on Saturday. And on Friday, if you don't know yet, The New Jersey Devils opened the scoring just 17 seconds into the game. So back-to-back nights, the Hawks fell behind 1-0 in the first 20 seconds to play. Unbelievable. And then after that, things just continued to spiral out of control in a hurry. On the second goal, um, Marc-Andre Fleury, who was back in net, by the way, after Kevin Lankinen got the start on Friday night, Blackhawks, did that purposely for Flower to get the start with his team playing up in Pittsburgh on Saturday. Um, but just not a night to remember for Fleury, not the way he thought it was going to go. And on that second goal, he and Eric Gustafson kind of had a breakdown in communication. Also, just kind of bad luck as well. Gustafson uh, skated to the far side of the net. He wanted Fleury to wheel the puck behind him after it was dumped into the defensive zone. 
Um, but unfortunately for Flurry and the Blackhawks, the puck slowed down once it hit the trapezoid, so Flower had to wait for it to get to him. But by that point, it was already too late. The Penguins steal the puck. O'Connor banks it in off of McKenzie and Whistle to make it 2 to nothing. Penguins just five and a half minutes into the game. And the first goal as well... Um, banked in off Seth Jones's skate on a two-on-one. So a couple of bad bounces cost the Blackhawks in the early going, but at the same time, they weren't really doing themselves any favors either. Uh, they were getting caught flat-footed the first one, an odd man rush the second. They were just getting completely swarmed and had no answer for uh, Pittsburgh's speed out of the gate. But wait, there's more. I'm probably um, the, the Penguins... Third or fourth odd man rush of the opening frame. Brock McGinn was the one to hammer home a one-timer on a two-on-one to make it three to nothing Pittsburgh. And then just 20 se- uh, 26 seconds after that, the Penn strike in transition once again. Danton Heinen finds a soft spot in coverage. Philip Kershev gets caught puck watching. And uh, just like that, boom. Four to nothing Pittsburgh, less than 12 minutes into the game. And the cherry on top, folks, at the end of the first period, the Blackhawks finished with a whopping three shots on goal, while Pittsburgh had scored four goals of their own. So, I mean, just about as bad as you could imagine. The Hawks got completely dominated from start to finish. Again, they had no answers on defense and transition, and just... The overall, the effort level and and the readiness to compete out of the gate were completely absent once again. And that, again, that occurred in all three games of the road trip to start the year. It was the same broken record over and over and over and over. And I know it was just three games and all of them came on the road and also were all home openers for the Hawks opposing team. But with the talent level that they now have, you know, there is absolutely no reason for the starts to be this freaking bad. It's flat out embarrassing. And it's got people already calling for Jeremy Colleton's job. I'll have plenty more on that coming up here in just a couple of minutes. But after four to nothing through 20 minutes, I mean, oh my god, with only three shots on goal, just unbelievable. And let me remind you again, this was a Pittsburgh Penguin squad that was without Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Brian Rust on Saturday. Three of probably their top offensive players on the team. Like, they didn't have their top line. I know none of those three played together, but, or uh, Crosby and Rust play together, but Malkin and Crosby don't. But that that's basically a top line's worth of players. And they still walked all over the Blackhawks' defense in the first period. And for the Blackhawks, it's not like, a single player was bad or everything or anything. No, it was everyone. Like breakdowns in coverage, poor decision making, soft coverage. It, it was everyone. It was a clinic of how not to play defense out there is what it was. And for the third straight game to start the year, the Hawks didn't do themselves any favors in the opening twenty minutes, and they've now been outscored eight to nothing in the first period so far this season. And once again, they failed to hold the lead, and they took themselves completely out of the game like they did in the season opener versus Colorado. And after that, the rest of the game was basically irrelevant. I mean, it was nice to see the Blackhawks actually show some life and um, show some fight and some, some character. They wound up scoring two goals of their own. 
But again, it was just a case of too little, too late with that bad of a start. It was basically over before it started. And poor Marc-Andre Fleury, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, didn't even make it through the first period. In his return back to Pittsburgh, Fleury was pulled after the fourth Penguins goal. He stopped just six of the ten shots that he faced. But other than the second goal, though, none of them really were his fault. The defense, again, left him out to dry, and they really should be ashamed of their efforts because Fleury deserved a lot better than he got on Saturday and probably did not envision it going that poorly. And he was clearly frustrated with himself and with the situation. Uh, he, he snapped his stick in half in the tunnel while heading back to the locker room. And I feel for you, Flower. I mean, it was completely unacceptable. And he needs a lot more help than he got in in the 11 minutes that he played in Pittsburgh on Saturday night. As for the rest of the game, um, quickly I'll sum it up. Patrick Kane scored a power play goal with a one-timer to cut the deficit to 4-1 to one in the second period, although uh, the Pens wound up getting one back before the end of the frame from Jason Zucker, uh, banked it in off of Connor Murphy's skate. And then Kirby Doc added a goal in garbage time as well, but this one, it came off uh, a nifty tic-tac goal set up from Patrick Kane, Brandon Hagel, and then Doc was the one to finish it off. And that now gives Doc his second goal in as many games, which was one of the few bright spots for the Blackhawks on Saturday. Not only Doc scoring for the second consecutive game, but also putting together another strong performance. He was uh, arguably, once again, the Blackhawks' best player. But that was all she wrote after that, a 5-2 loss for the Blackhawks. Like, once again, falling behind by four in the opening frame, and after that, they, they never really stood a chance. And the poor starts continue to cost the Hawks here once again. They'll return back to Chicago, still without a win on Tuesday night against the New York Islanders as they open things up by going 0-2-1 on their three-game road trip to start the season. All right, there is my recap of the Blackhawks' disappointing loss to the Penguins on Saturday night. Coming up in just a moment, I'll have a couple more stats and takeaways from the contest, as well as a discussion on whether or not head coach Jeremy Colleton deserves to already be on the hot seat. But first, I need to talk to you all about DirecTV Stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes, and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more right now at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Getting into segment two now this morning, I also wanted to get into a couple of other stats and takeaways that I had from Saturday's loss to Pittsburgh. First, aside from Doc's strong performance, one of the only other bright spots for the Blackhawks was a strong play out of their special teams unit. Once again, 
both the penalty kill and the power play were solid on Saturday. As first, the power play, they went one for three with that goal from Patrick Kane. And they now have a goal in all three games to start the year, and it's not only the top unit. We've seen Dominic Kubelik in that second unit move the puck well so far, too. Uh, so kudos to that aspect of the Blackhawks game at least being a positive. And then the penalty kill as well. They managed to kill off both Penguins' power play opportunities, and that brings the PK to 8 for 8 through the opening three games. And if you were keeping up with the Blackhawks throughout the preseason, you would not have guessed that through the first three games of the regular season, the penalty kill would not have allowed a goal. So despite three losses, the power play and the penalty kill, the special teams department, that's at least one area for the Blackhawks that's been a positive so far. On the flip side, though, at even strength so far this season, the Blackhawks have been by far the worst team in the National Hockey League. And I know... It's a very small sample size, but they have been dreadful, ladies and gentlemen. They've scored just two goals at even strength through three games so far, and they've both come in garbage time during blowout losses. The first was Connor Murphy's goal in the third period last Wednesday versus Colorado, and the second was Doc's in garbage time on Saturday against Pittsburgh. And a thing to consider here with the Blackhawks is it's not like they've just been getting snake bitten and have had some bad luck and if they keep up this kind of play you know eventually they'll be starting to find the back of the net no that mentality is not going to work here because the offense has literally created nothing and in terms of expected goals for the Blackhawks are at the bottom of the league last in the NHL and in terms of actual goals for percentage they're at the bottom of the league as well so Creating any sort of offense at 5-on-5 five five has been a major issue for this team so far. Not not only do the problems stem on defense here through the first three games, especially in transition, though, they do need really to work on, on that department, probably more so than anything. Um, but they're also dealing with these issues on the offensive side of their game as well. And you don't expect that from guys like Alex DeBrinkett and Patrick Kane. And Jonathan Taze, too, has still yet to record a point this year. That line of he, Kubelik, and Kurashev have been awfully quiet. So uh, the Blackhawks' top six, it starts there with them not getting anything done at even strength. Those big guns need to start performing better and start creating some chances for this team because they have done actually nothing through three games. And that brings me to my next point now, ladies and gentlemen, which is uh, which was, I should say, the main topic of conversation on Saturday night through Sunday morning on Twitter, which was whether or not this bad of a start should cost head coach Jeremy Colleton his job. And my answer to that, after kind of taking some time to think about things over the weekend in the last day or two, uh, I know it's just about the worst case scenario from this three-game road trip, losing all three games getting completely exposed defensively, not doing anything at all on the offensive side of things too. And I completely understand the frustration right now from the fan base. This is, it's completely unacceptable. As I said, all aspects are not good right now. And I I won't lie to you. I've been starting to have doubts of my own over Carlton as head coach, not only because of these last few games, they started well before that, just in terms of what he's been able to do here so far as a whole that that did not just stem or or just start on Saturday uh it's really the system you know I mean clearly there are some flaws there with what this defense has shown us so far and what really stands out to me is 
That's a defense that's now made up of Seth Jones, Jake McCabe, Connor Murphy, and Calvin DeHaan as the big four, all of which are veteran defensemen in this league that are more than capable of getting the job done. And I know that two of them, McCabe and Jones, they're coming into a new system. But at this point, I mean, you know, we've been going through this for weeks now. The preseason, training camp, this is the third regular season game. At this point, there's no excuses for even those two guys to be consistently looking lost out there and letting up odd man rushes or um, losing a man in transition or, or something, you know, all of that is not acceptable and certainly should have the fan base frustrated. But I still don't think it's enough to fire Jeremy Calton at this point. And look, I, I know they fired Savard early, they fired Quenville early, and I'm not making excuses here, but there are still 79 games to go in the season. And all three that they've played so far, as I mentioned earlier, were home openers for all all those respected teams, which shouldn't have played that much of a factor into anything, but possibly could have. And also, they haven't even played a game at home yet. You know, let's get them back to United Center, see the Blackhawks play some home games, get get on a re- regular schedule. You know, it, it was a tough east-to-west road trip with a back-to-back over the weekend. I do agree, don't get me wrong, that coming home without a win, it's completely unacceptable. But... I just don't think it's enough for Calton to get canned so early in the year. Again, let's have the Hawks get a few games here in at the United Center, and then we can reassess things a little bit more. That's just my opinion on the matter, though. As for whether or not that's the way the organization is thinking, um, honestly, knowing that they've backed Calton before, they gave him a contract extension last year and clearly showed that they have trust in him. Um, you know, I don't think that the front office is thinking that way quite yet, but I do believe that Carlton's seat undoubtedly got warmer over the weekend and both he and his players need to show a sense of urgency here probably earlier than they would have liked in this regular season. But if they don't, changes could be inevitable in the future for this Blackhawks team. All right, there are a couple of other stats and takeaways that I had from over the weekend. Coming up in just a minute, it's time for our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment where I answer a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bilt Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Bilt Bar has a ton of awesome classic flavors like coconut, double chocolate, salted caramel, and now they also have a couple of new flavors like strawberry and grasshopper cookie, which is really good if you like mint. They just sent me a package of cookie dough, which is incredible, and they also have cookies and cream, cherry barcia, and many more fantastic flavors, all of which also are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low calorie and low sugar, but they're also a great source for protein and fiber. So make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKED15, capital L in LOCKED, then the number 15, to get 15% off your next order. One more time, be sure to check out Built Bar for a delicious and healthy snack option and use our exclusive promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. Welcome back to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast. 
Moving on now into our weekly Mailbag Monday fan segment, where as always, I'll be answering a question from a couple of lucky listeners right here on the show. The first question I wanted to answer today comes from at Kiki's Keys on Twitter, longtime supporter of Talk and Hockey. Kiki, thank you for all the love over the years. I really appreciate it. Kiki asked, do you honestly see Colleton lasting the entire season if he doesn't make any improvements with the team? If the Blackhawks do not make any improvements, so I'm probably going to take that as finishing on the outside of the playoffs once again, but also being in contention for the playoff spot throughout most of the regular season. Um, But if the Blackhawks, if they have that same kind of result, or if they're at least poised for that kind of result throughout the uh, majority of the season, my gut tells me that Colleton probably winds up finishing out the year and then they would, uh, at least I hope the the front office would then take things in another direction if the Blackhawks once again miss out on the Stanley Cup playoffs. But the only way I see Colleton honestly getting fired before the end of the season is if this clown show continues despite all of the big offseason acquisitions that the front office made. If the Blackhawks don't pick it up and they continue to lose games in embarrassing fashion, uh, and to me... Most importantly, if the defense just continues to look lost and continues to have no answers for any offense out there whatsoever, I think that, to me, is probably going to be the biggest indicator that it's time for someone besides Jeremy Colleton to be coaching this team from behind the bench. I know we've seen that through all three games so far, but it's just, it's too far of a sample size this early in the season. But now... With everything going back to normal, you know, a regular training camp taking place, uh, preseason games, a good enough roster certainly to get the job done. There there aren't any more excuses for Colleton to not put together a winning hockey team. So I do think his seat is getting hot with the way the Blackhawks open things up. But the only way, again, I see him getting fired before the end of this season is if things continue to go the way that they are at the moment throughout these first couple of months. The second question I have on the show this morning comes from Franklin Graves, who emailed in over the weekend asking, what do you think the return for Dylan Strom is looking like, and what percent chance do you think he has of getting traded by the Blackhawks? Oh man. Well folks, by the way, I didn't mention this earlier in the episode, but on Saturday, the Blackhawks rolled with the exact same lineup that they went with on Friday night against the New Jersey Devils, meaning that Ryan Carpenter Ian Mitchell, and Dylan Strome once again were the healthy scratches against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And that makes Strome the only player left on the active roster that has yet to get any game action so far through three contests. And and man, I think that might have been the last glimmer of hope that Strome had here in Chicago. If you listen to Saturday's episode, then you heard me say, if Strome doesn't get into the lineup then, I think that's basically all she wrote, and he might not even make it through the weekend here in Chicago. Well, he wound up uh, making it through the weekend, but I still would probably give Dylan Strome a 90-95% to chance of getting traded at this point. We know the Blackhawks are listening to offers. There clearly isn't the room for him both right now and in the future with all the center depth we have. He hasn't looked good in his transitional wing when we've moved him there so far throughout his career. And even though 
I personally think that Strom has more to offer than we've seen from him in the last few years. I also can't argue that he hasn't come close to living up the hype of a number three overall pick. And after that first strong, uh, what was it? I think it was 60 games that he wound up playing with the Blackhawks after getting traded from the Coyotes, performed beautifully and really looked like he was going to be the number two center of the future. But since then, I mean... He hasn't even scratched the surface of being a third liner at the NHL level, so pretty disappointing to see that has been the progression from Dylan Strom. Uh, as for what we could potentially net in return, um, I guess, you know, it's probably all going to depend on what the team we would be trading him to has to offer, but just as kind of a baseline, if I had to guess, I was talking about this with some of my buddies over the weekend, uh, I would probably guess a third round pick and maybe a lower-level prospect in return for Dylan Strom. No one's going to be offering a first-round pick for him, and honestly, I can't really see the Hawks getting a second in return for him either unless someone out there is really desperate. But considering that, the rest of the league also is aware that there's not any room for Dylan Strom here in Chicago and that they're shopping him, there probably isn't a whole lot of leverage in Stan Bowman's favor. So, again... My guess would be a third-round pick along with the possibility of a lower-level prospect coming back as well if the Blackhawks are to wind up trading for Dylan Strom, which I feel is pretty likely here in the next couple of weeks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Monday, October 18th's episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Fantasy Hockey Podcast as host Scott Cullen leans on his decades of fantasy hockey insight and experience every day to help you be the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Fantasy Hockey right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you can also check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on one of my Twitter accounts, or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.